The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Glenn Engler. Get ready to hear perspectives on social media and digital marketing that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and thought leaders today. Now, now, please welcome your host, a Fortune 500 industry figure in the marketing and communications world for more than 25 years and chief executive officer of Digital Influence Group, the host of Market Edge, Glenn Engler. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group, a full-service digital marketing agency that helps companies unlock the social potential of their brands and amplify its impact to drive business results. Today, I'll be talking about community publishing with Chase Garbarino, co-founder and CEO of Streetwise Media, a Boston-based media company that operates Pinata.com, a social news aggregation platform, and BostInnovation.com, Boston's beat for innovation, startups, and tech news. Previously, Chase co-founded Campus Word, a national collegiate publication consisting of more than 200 writers and editors from approximately 150 of the country's top colleges and universities. Chase has served as a board or committee member for a number of industry organizations, including Mass TLC's Mobile Executive Advisory Committee, the Mass Tech Hub Collaborative Legislative Awareness Campaign Committee, Ad Club's 2011 Edge, Branded in Boston Committee, and TIE's Startup Leadership Program. You can follow Chase on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash cgarb, that's G-A-R-B. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Chase. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Glenn. I uh, appreciate you having me. All right. So you're a Boston kid. I'm a Boston kid. You've been extremely involved in the online publishing world since your undergrad days at Hamilton College. Shout out for your alma mater. What initially attracted you to that to this industry? Well, I uh, I personally have uh, always been a storyteller myself, and uh, when I was in school, uh, Hamilton is uh, incredibly writing intensive, so that's kind of where my writing background came from. I didn't, uh, I certainly didn't focus in journalism there, but uh, while I was trying to figure out what uh, what I was going to do after school, uh, my current co-founder and I, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, both kind of were drawn to the future of news media and how it was being disrupted by the Internet digital technologies. So uh, we somewhat blindly just kind of dove in headfirst and started our first venture uh, while we were at Hamilton. And that was the campus word, is that correct? Yes, it was. So what we had, uh, what we had done was uh, sometime around 2005, during our, our junior years at Hamilton, uh, we reached out to uh, something like 400 or 500 student newspapers at uh, a number of different schools all across the country and uh, started recruiting uh, student writers. Ultimately, we built a network of around uh, 200 or so college journalists at 
over a hundred different schools all over the country, uh, which turned out to be you know a pretty big editorial operation. Uh, and we we launched the platform in early 2006 and ran that for a few years, which was an interesting time as Twitter and Facebook really hadn't developed as distribution platforms, but uh, it was kind of our first foray into online publishing. So four or five years can feel like an eternity, but if you look back from now to, uh, or from then to now, what are some of the changes that you've seen in the online publishing industry? I mean, the biggest thing has obviously been kind of the effect that social media has had uh, on everything. So kind of as I mentioned, you know, Twitter and Facebook really were, you know, Twitter I think was just getting started off uh, in 2006, I believe, and Facebook created in 2004 was really still kind of just a, a profile service. So what we know of those services now in terms of content distribution, that's really not kind of how the industry worked. So a lot of it was uh, very search-driven. Uh, email sharing was still, I think, the number one form of uh, distribution for our platform at the time. And kind of, uh, as you said, I still can't even believe it's only been five or six years, uh, but the, land the landscape was completely different. So just in terms of growing traffic and certain things is uh, significantly more difficult if you didn't kind of have a tie-in or hook into uh, traditional, you know, broadcast platforms. So, right. I mean, now, now you're just seeing uh, just there's so much power in having your audience essentially be your paper boy and distributing content, particularly for uh, a new publication or property online. I love the phrase, audience being your paper boys. It takes me back to my youth when I actually delivered the newspaper. But So <laughs> why Boston as the starting point? Well, as you mentioned, I, uh, I am a, uh, a Boston kid. I actually grew up half an hour south of the city on the South Shore, and uh, I, I kind of came back this way after I graduated, uh, mainly because I knew I wanted to get into uh, you know, online media, and obviously, if you're going to play in the space of anything online, development and technical talent is critical, so... Uh, Massachusetts and Boston in particular with the high density of universities and colleges obviously is known for having a lot of development talent. So I came back this way uh, mainly for that reason. And, you know, we we happen to be lucky. I did not know it at the time, but um, greater Boston and Massachusetts has a very large creative industry. Uh, and by creative, I mean design, marketing, and advertising, whereas most people you know, typically think of New York, but mm -hmm. um, there is a ton of talent uh, here in the greater Boston area and just a lot of different companies and organizations uh, playing in you know, a number of different sectors and fields doing interesting stuff across social media and uh, new forms of online advertising. So, um, you know, sometimes they say it's better to be lucky than good, and we certainly <laughs> got lucky with, uh, with that uh, kind of you know, that, uh, that group of people and community being here in greater Boston. So it's been a great fit for us uh, in our early stages. So how do you fill up your days? Uh, I know our audience is, I'm sure, interested to find out what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities and how do you keep yourself busy? Yeah, I mean, we're currently, you know, in the, you know, transition from 
you know, earliest phase of a startup, and now, you know, uh, we raised our first outside capital in June uh, from some venture investors. So I, uh, I have now, you know, gone from wearing all of the hats with uh, a couple of my co-founders to, you know, now we're, you know, scaling up and hiring. So I, I still do a little bit of everything, everything from hiring. Uh, I unfortunately don't have a direct hand in every post that goes up on the site, but I guarantee you our editorial team says that is uh, definitely for the better. And uh, <laughs> seeing our growth, I'm sure it is for the better. So, um, you know, I uh, I still, you know, have a hand in kind of, you know, where I, where I think we want to play in terms of, uh, how we craft editorial, but we have much better writers on board that do all the writing, so that's good. Um, I'm very much, uh, I, I do a little work every day on sales and kind of our product strategy, and uh, I'm, I'm always engaging potential future investors. So still a little bit of everything, but uh, we're fortunate to have people that are uh, smarter than yours truly doing kind of uh, significant work in each group. So, um but we are very content heavy. I'm still a big believer that uh, good content will win. Uh, we are very analytical uh, about kind of how we measure what good content is, and you know, honing uh, everything from uh, different forms of content and storytelling, which I think is uh, you know one of the areas that's most uh, interesting about kind of online publishing is you know there are just so many opportunities to create new forms of storytelling. Uh, and we try and be very data driven uh now you know we can we can gather data on just about everything in terms of uh how the audience feels about certain forms of content and how they're performing so I'm still right. very much amassed in uh, the numbers and data of it all so for those that aren't uh who aren't familiar with Boston Innovation um talk a little bit I'm a big fan talk a little bit about what the vision has been what you've set out to build and why you see it as differentiated from some of the other um online media resources Yeah I mean in uh at kind of the most granular level Boston of you know just started as a kind of a simple blog that uh Kevin McCarthy and I uh, were writing on as we Kicked off our adventures in startup land here in Boston, and you know I think uh, you know we did uh, we got a little lucky that uh, innovation and kind of entrepreneurship are just uh, such a prevalent narrative, uh, not just in Boston but kind of nationally and internationally as uh, you know so many aspects of our economy need to be uh, reinvented, if you will. Um, so, it, you know, it started off as a blog kind of about our adventures, and it resonated with uh, people in the community here. And very slowly, we uh, started inviting uh, different people who had read the blog to contribute. And ultimately, kind of we honed our thesis around, uh, you know, the power of the web is uh, driven on kind of community publishing, data-driven journalism. So one of the things that really differentiates us from of other regional publications is uh, how we view uh, pretty much all voices as equal. Um, we invite uh, any reader and any member of the community to contribute, not just in comments, but uh, in providing original content to our platform. 
and you know we still reserve uh, you know the editorial right not to publish certain things, but uh, it are, it is our belief that kind of the future of news and the power and opportunity lies in you know bringing more voices into the mix rather than less. So uh, we view it as somewhat more of a democratic process in which we try and uh, have the audience engage and kind of provide feedback on you know who they want to hear from. Um, and that's been a big kind of differentiating factor from some of the traditional newspapers. Mm. And, uh, you know, on a larger scale, just kind of looking at it nationally, I touched on this a little bit in the, in the beginning of my answer, but, um, you know, the, the general narrative of innovation touches more than just kind of business. We see it being relevant to uh, public policy, education, uh, a number of areas of kind of uh, culture and society where, you know, change for the better is needed. So um, we're still very, uh, very much focused on startup coverage and certain things like that. But uh, at a a larger scale, kind of uh, the younger generation of newsreaders, 18 to 35, 39, uh, is interested in some different topics. And uh, we think uh, innovation and kind of uh, a view through that that lens is relevant to uh, a range of topics. So given that approach, which is absolutely unique, um, how do you think about the policy vis-a-vis, or this approach vis-a-vis the the quality of the content getting published? Yeah, I mean, we go, you know, our uh, editorial staff, and we actually, we haven't come up for a good name for the positions because we don't call it just purely writers because they're actually expected to do much more with regards to community building. Um, but they're very much uh, kind of looking for people who, you know, are quality publishers. And really that is no longer uh, restricted to kind of journalists and, uh, you know, kind of the traditional means of, of publishing. There are a lot of big companies that do really interesting things with content um, across all different industries. You know, individual bloggers, people that, again don't come through the big media outlets, uh, in our mind, uh, can be uh, just as, uh, you know, useful and interesting as people in kind of the traditional sectors. So um, we try to define quality by, you know, ultimately what what the audience uh, says they want more of and what they're interested in. So, you know, we look for, you know, strong engagement around content, uh, whether it's commenting, sharing on social media, and things like that, um, and then kind of from the more traditional sense of quality writing and things, we try and provide guidance uh, to a lot of our guest contributors in terms of forms of you know uh, just standard writing technique and things like that. But uh, just because you know people are now you know they've had over a decade at least of kind of you know version 1.0 of online publishing, most people are natural content producers. We still rigorously fact-check and things like that, but uh, we also look for the audience and community to help us out with that. So I'm sure, and not having worked in the industry, but I'm sure there's art and science when it relates to figuring out um, what's hot, what's breaking news, what's um, key to share. Is it... um, is there an art form to it internally? Is there science, like listening tools or other ways to track conversations? How do you guys surface what's important to tee up? Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. It is, uh, it's a 
perfectly imperfect balance of you know <laughs> art and science. And I've you know I I would love if it were one simple equation that would make our lives much easier. But uh, you know what's interesting is you know there's all sorts of talk around kind of social and analytical tools for you know monitoring social media, and uh, we're uh, pretty intense about uh, how we do that. We have a number of different tools that I'll get into, but uh, the fact of the matter is is kind of good research and networking to get a scoop, um, kind of like old-school journalism as people view it now, uh, that's still very much valuable. So it's a little bit of both. Uh, everyone on our team is trained in terms of, you know, how they monitor Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we've scooped people just by stringing together Foursquare check-ins. Uh, you know, <laughs> so we, we leverage social media very much. Uh, you know, it's just data, and that's ultimately what, you know, journalists do. They gather and analyze data to string together a story. And I think now more than, there's more data which now than ever before, which is both an opportunity and a challenge. So um, we have a proprietary internal tool that we've built that scrapes a significant amount of data. Uh, we use everything as kind of simple as TweetDeck to monitor all sorts of different search queries and Twitter to uh, you know new products, even like clout and social metrics to try and find um, valid sources within different topics on social media. So... Uh, there's a there's a ton of different ways to do it, and you know each one of our writers, you know, we give them a number of different tools and kind of train them uh, in terms of what we've seen successful. But I think all of them develop their own kind of unique way for you know sifting through all of this data and information. A little bit of forensic technology there going on, I hear about. Um doing the analysis of the data that's there so the kids that wanted to grow up and work at the FBI now who knew they can actually work on a on a content publishing platform yeah and we're hiring so if you know anybody <laughs> send them my way um, it is right. it is amazing how you can uh, what you can find out in terms of you know trends and certain things like that in real time that uh, was not possible before so I got gobs of other questions, but we're going to take a quick, short commercial break right now. Please stand by, and I'll be right back with Chase Garbarino and more of the conversation. Market Edge will return in just a moment. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Superior Affiliate Offers, Superior Affiliate Brands, Superior Affiliate Service, the Superior Affiliate Management. Superior Affiliate Management delivers direct exclusive offers with weekly payouts. Their mission is to ignite your e-commerce and ignite your commissions. Superior Affiliate Brands means our work with the Internet Retailer's Top 500, as well as new brands, thanks to their full-service agency and CPA network. 
Superior affiliate service means lifetime bonus referrals and personal VIP treatment. In 500 yards, CPA Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at CPAWay.com. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm, the flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Glenn Engler. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Glenn Engler, and I'm here today with Chase Garbarino, co-founder and CEO of Streetwise Media, talking about community publishing. Okay, so... um, very exciting, as we've talked about a couple times, for this Boston kid to see a place for innovators and thought leaders in the Boston area sharing content. As you think about uh, what, what, how you've seen Boston evolve um, and your readers and their readers starting to participate, um, what else besides content sharing are you guys looking at to fuel the conversation around that Boston sandbox? Yeah, I mean, we've got a number of, uh, you know, ideas for the product and platform that, uh, you know, we uh, we are always kind of constantly testing and measuring and even sometimes chasing our tail on. I think, you know, the main thing for us is really being a community-driven platform. So uh, we are very much uh, integrated with uh, different forms of social media, um, but one of the things that we're starting to see is just a lot more uh, engagement directly within our platform. And mm. you know, what we're trying to tackle now is figuring out kind of uh, an elegant product solution to really allow the community to drive different forms of content and series that they're interested in. So, you know, uh, in an ideal world, nothing that we produce internally or that we you know, uh, push out to the community to produce would be something that we don't know if they want or not. Uh, and there's no reason not to do this. So kind of in the past when journalists uh, typically had to dig up and come up with their own story ideas, uh, we can now be uh, very customer-oriented in this. So we're developing a number of different products uh, to crowdsource you know, ideas for ongoing stories, forms of content, and certain things like that that I'm very interested in. And then you start to think uh, even, you know, uh, further down the road how this ties in as we are still uh, very much locally focused in our platforms uh, with certain products like Foursquare um, and, you know, kind of different different technologies that I think are doing interesting things and could really integrate in an interesting way with publishers. So, mm. um, you know, how it affects you know, anything from uh, driving, you know, uh, 
community engagement around forming, you know, something like a public policy. Uh, you know, we had a lot of interesting ideas of what we would have done with kind of the Occupy movement if we had gotten out in front of it, which I don't think anybody could have predicted. But um, I think we're we're basically at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we can start to organize uh, on a digital platform in the local so everybody loves hearing success stories and uh, stories living perhaps uh, a little living dangerously through entrepreneurs like yourself. Any big surprises is when you launched uh, Bostino in I think it was 2008ish or so. If you look back, any any surprise that you thought something was going to work and it didn't, or you had no idea if something was going to work as well as it did, just a, a good story to share. I mean, I was surprised Bostino worked. <laughs> you know, um, I was um, again. I was mentioned this uh, to you another time we were chatting. I'm kind of your uh, pessimistic Boston sports fan, so um, we're always you know a little cynical. But uh, you know, but but seriously, I, you know, we were you know we thought it was needed um, the the platform. We thought there needed to be more discourse around all of the kind of interesting things that were going on here. Um, but kind of the way it took off, certainly. Uh, we didn't expect it to grow as quickly as it has, so that's been a, a pleasant surprise. I think one of the things that I've learned about, you know, and I've, I've to be frank, failed at in the past with uh, even Campus Word to a degree is, you know, how difficult it is to get past that first, you know, I guess you're, you know, you think of building a community and pushing a boulder up a hill, that first 10 feet essentially, uh, and in the earliest stages. So, um, you know, it's very easy to get distracted and uh, kind of lose focus. And I think one of the things we didn't do with Boston O was lose focus. So uh, we really wanted to nail innovation, startup coverage, and we saw it as kind of a wedge into uh, more areas of coverage. So we did that well, which we had messed up in the past. And I think it's critical for, you know, anybody developing a new product, starting a company or anything like that. So um, you know, that's the the main bit of advice uh, I, I try to give to others uh, pursuing something. Else. Nothing like keeping focus. So you talked earlier about a target audience or a core audience in the 18 to 34, 18 to 39 range. Do you have, have you guys observed or seen data around um, that demographic uh, consuming Boston Inno content on mobile uh, devices or, or tablet devices versus at a desktop or on a laptop? Yeah, it's actually interesting uh, you ask that. We do, you know, pretty much every day we do an analysis of uh, where people are coming from to the site, kind of, you know, what browser as well as what they're, what device they're using. And we've seen just in the last two months uh, mobile traffic double. That includes tablets. Um, and then when you get even more granular in it, uh, you know, what you're starting to see during the week is mobile cell phone, whether it's through iOS or Android, um, viewers coming in the morning as well as coming at lunch, obviously when people are you know leaving the office to go out and get a bite. And then you see significant tablet use uh, in the evenings, which I'm sure, you know, people are sitting watching TV and they're also browsing on their tablet and certain things. So kind of watching the trends and patterns is very interesting and um, just to see how people are consuming content and news at different times of the day and what they're using to consume. So it actually crafts the forms of content that we create, try and publish at different times. Right. So, 
Right, I'm sure. That's probably nice to see if it becomes the critical commute content source and lunchtime and um, at, at night. That, I'm sure, is fantastic to see. Um, if you look forward, if this has been sort of five years kicking, look forward a couple of years, um, what do you see some of the challenges that you're going to face in leading an online media publishing um, business model? I mean, I think the the most challenging aspect uh, of this business, and it's kind of similar for most all people playing online, is just how fast everything's moving. Mm. You know, kind of coming full circle to the to the point you made at the beginning that I really think is spot on. Is you know, just five six years ago, uh, you know, people you know, this this business is completely different. Um, you know, you're looking at some of the models that were launched in 2005, and, you know, archaic is too strong of a word, but it's definitely, you know, we're, we're deviating off of that model significantly already. So I think you can't continually change all the time and lose focus, um, but you definitely have to make a few kind of strong bets on a few strategic elements, uh, one that we're incredibly focused on is obviously the community aspect and the integration with uh, social networks as we do view them as the primary content distribution mechanisms moving forward. So, um, But just how, how quickly things evolve, it's, it's easy to kind of get your head spinning and you know, uh, lose focus. Uh, but you, know, you, you can also take advantage of how things right. right. change. So as you continue to build out success in Boston, oh, and you've clearly hit a sweet spot with that target audience, and there's a lot of, as you said, vibrant activity going on in the city. Um, I'm also certain, knowing you enough and knowing a good, um, growing organization, a desire to continue to grow, are we going to see versions of Boston oh, and other leading cities around the United States anytime soon, or are you going to stay focused on Boston? Uh, we uh, we have actually just made our our first hires in uh, in two new cities in New York and DC. So uh, you will indeed uh, see see some new properties coming out. And um, funny enough, we actually a journalist at another outlet had uh, someone scooped us and tweeted out the names of our our new properties. So it is out in the uh, the the abyss of the inner interweb somewhere. So. Um, but we're excited. I think you know I did a, a bit of a road show, if you will, down uh, to a number of different cities along the East Coast, and there's uh, there's kind of this want and need for uh, a new community-driven and more vibrant uh, publishing platform, you know, to inform people about the uh, cities that they live in. So uh, we've seen kind of the same uh, the same desire for what we've done with Boston oh, and uh, a number of different cities, which is uh, just a good indication for us. That's great. That's really exciting. Congratulations. And I'm sure some of the, the energy and excitement that's fueled uh, uh, other areas, be it um, VC, um, VIEW, or sports, uh, a little bit of competition never hurts. So that'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's great. All right, so we're coming to the end, but before I let you go, one of the things I like to do as I talk to people on this show is do a, a bit of a Jeopardy-like of speed round. And this is sort of like the first thing that pops into your in your head. This is a quick, your take on a couple of technologies or a couple of themes. Just There's no right or wrong answer, but we find it very interesting. Um, so without further ado, your take on check-ins, like a Foursquare. 
Uh, check-ins. I think uh, ultimately they they will find they need to become mainstream, uh, and I think some of that will be uh, pushed to the user. Uh, I personally am the type of guy who gets to a location and always forgets to check in. So <laughs> I think the next challenge for them to solve is how do you engage the uh, uh, those with ADD, such as yours truly, but uh, Foursquare in particular, I, I have, uh, I think, will do very well. Great. Uh, how about the daily deals world of Living Social, Groupon, and things like that? Uh, the current model is completely broken. The economics are a race to the bottom. Uh, they're just going to undercut one another. Uh, but I think, you know, in 2012, you're already starting to see uh, different companies toy around with loyalty models, and I think mm-hmm. that'll be a, a big battle of 2012. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top, but uh, those that figure out ways to drive loyalty to the small businesses will ultimately win. Mm, good. Um, and uh, last one, what about QR codes? QR codes are, uh, you know, I have a hard hard time putting my finger on that one. I always think, you know, they'll disappear, and then I find people using new, interesting ways of integrating them into product experiences. So, uh, you know, who knows? They'll, they'll, they'll stick around for a few more years, I think. It's it's certainly an exciting time in the world of mobile and content and everything else. All right, I'd love to go more, but at the moment we are run out of time, so I want to thank you, Chase, for being my guest today. Thanks to everyone in the audience for listening to today's conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's show, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Glenn Engler or on my blog at www.glennengler.com and visit www.web webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune into episodes of Market Edge. Thank you very much. Take care and so long.